0: John 10 and 7, are you ready? I'm going to use this as our reference point for resurrection and the cross. And I I think this is really neat that this example is here. Because Jesus gave this prophetically before his death, that this is a symbol of how he would give himself for us. John 10 and 7. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door. Of the sheep. Everybody say the door. door. Jesus is here calling himself the door of the sheep. And all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. The sheep did not hear those thieves and those robbers. He says again in verse 9, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Everybody say, enter. enter. Got to go through the door. Gotta go through the door. If you go through the door, you will be saved. If 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 you go through the door, you will be saved. If you go through the door today. If you enter in, you'll be saved. If you're not entering into the door that is made accessible to you, then you know you will not be saved. There's no other way to say it. The Bible is clear. You will be saved if you go through the door. You'll be lost if you choose to not go through the door. That's very important to catch that. He'll be saved. We'll go in and out and find pasture. The shepherd will take you in through the gate. Whenever it's time to get something to eat, take you out, take you back in to rest. You're going to follow the shepherd and have access through the door being Jesus Christ let's keep going the thief does not come except to steal to kill destroy and I have come that they may have life and they may have life have it more abundantly look what he calls himself now he says I'm not just the door I am the good shepherd everybody say "Good good shepherd he's the door and he's the good shepherd he's symbolizing himself so we can catch who he is he's the door he's the good shepherd and the good shepherd watch what a good shepherd will do A good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. A good shepherd will lay down his own life for his sheep. But a hireling, this is important, but someone who's just hired to watch the sheep, someone who just does it for themselves, someone who just does it for the money, they will never die for the sheep. A hireling does not do it or give his life, but only the shepherd does. Verse 12, a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and he runs away. When the wolf comes out, you find out who really loves you when the wolf comes out. Anybody looks like they love you. Anybody looks like they could be your savior. But the only way you truly know someone cares about you is when the wolf comes out. And when the wolf comes out, who will take the hit for you? Because that one, that one loves you. That one loves you the hireling will not take the damage for the sheep because they're only doing it for themselves but that's not our Jesus today our Jesus he will give his life for us he will stand in the way and be the intercessor the mediator the go-between because we belong to him and it matters a lot to Jesus that we are saved look at look at uh, look what happens The wolf catches them when the hireling is in charge, and the the sheep are scattered. Verse 13, the hireling flees because the hireling uh, is a hireling, and he does not care about the sheep. But look what he says in verse 14, I'm the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. It's very clear here. The other sheep, verse 16, I have which are not of this fold. He He was talking about the Gentiles. He said, I got another group of sheep, and you're not going to like it when you find out who else I'm going to save. But he was talking to the Jews, telling them that you're one group of sheep, but I have another group of sheep, and I'm going to give my life for them too, even them dirty dog sheep. I'm going to die for them too. He's prophesying, y'all. He's speaking in, in, in parable here because he's trying to get them to see what he's about to do with the cross. So it says here, there's going to be another fold and I, I must also bring them and they're also going to hear my voice. And, th- and then we're going to be one flock and there's going to be one shepherd yeah. over both flocks. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. My Father approves of me because I'm willing to lay down my life for others. I'm valuable to God because I'm willing to give myself for what is valuable to God. This is how you find value being a Christian. You're able to take damage for those you love. Take hurt, take pain. Stand in the way and take it because you love. That's the message of of Easter. Verse 18, last one. No one takes it from me. This is important. No one takes it from me. Says no one takes it from him. No one takes Jesus' life. They did not murder him. He gave it. There's a big difference. He could have stopped it. He he told Peter, I could have called down a host of angels and I could have killed every one of them that touched me, but I chose not to. Remember, remember y'all, what we can do is not what we should do. Just because you can get even doesn't mean you should get even. Just because you have the power to hurt somebody that hurts you doesn't mean you're supposed to. You're not weak, you're strong. When you have restraining power and you don't give someone what they deserve and you know you can go cut their tires because they killed your dog, When you don't do it, it's a sign of strength and love, not weakness. A weak man has to get even. That's weakness. That's immaturity. That's of the devil. But a strong, godly person does not. They hold back. They take the hit. And this this spirit right here will change our world you're worried about wars and rumors of wars, this, this day right here has the potential to turn the world upside down. This spirit I'm talking about is what's wrong with every family, everything in our nation, everything in our children. It's this spirit we don't have right here. We're all fighting and worrying about stuff because we will not give ourselves a sacrifice. Lay our life down. This is the power of this message today. Nobody takes my life. I have the power to take it again. This command I've received from my Father that I lay my own life down. Everybody say in Jesus' name. I feel like lifting our hands up and praying over us right now. In the name of the Lord, can we surrender to God? Does anybody else want to do this right today? Anybody else want to preach about the cross the right way today? Come on, let's don't skip over it and commercialize it. This isn't about Easter bunnies today. This is about Jesus and the sacrifice uh, and how it translates out to us as believers. Uh, God, I want to adapt it. uh, I want to hear it. uh, I want to be it. uh, I want to make sure I do Easter the right way. Everybody say in Jesus' name. All right, you can be seated and God bless you again. Look at your neighbor and say, man, you look good today. If anybody has a hat on in front of you, just say, excuse me, just excuse me. Y'all look so good. All y'all's pastels. Oh, beautiful pastels. You like my shirt, brother? Love your shirt. Great shirt. It's wonderful. Jesus called himself the door. The door. I want to say thank you, Brother Chris Thompson, for helping build my door here and uh, did a great job. The door is a door that shuts, and the door is a door that opens. It's like a gate it blocks things out. It creates access or denial. Jesus Christ is the door. It's not a mystical thing. It's not a big revelation. It's simple as you think it is. It's literally a door. Jesus is a door. You have to go through him. You don't go through the wall. You go through the door. The door suggests that you need to go through to get to the other side. Jesus is the door. I want you to remember in our text that the gatekeeper would open the door only for the good shepherd. Our text tells us that not not just anybody is allowed access to the sheep. But only the good shepherd has the access to get in, to let the sheep come in, to have the back and the forth. Only the good shepherd is allowed to do that. And the question is, I alluded to already in our text, what is the difference between a hireling and a good shepherd? It was the willingness to die for them, not a willingness to feed the sheep. That's a great shepherd. Look at him. He feeds the sheep. Look how he does it. He's so caring and loving. He loves the sheep. He feeds the sheep. I want to find me a Jesus that feeds me. That's good. No, it's good. It's a good part of it. But the hireling can do that. Anybody can feed the sheep. That's that's easy. So notice the difference. The difference was not that that you pet the sheep. Whoever pets the sheep loves the sheep. Whoever snuggles with the sheep at night when the sheep is cold is, is the one that truly loves Notice the, the difference in this parable is that he's willing to die for the sheep. Not just hug and pet and, and, and whisper sweet things in its ear, you're such a good sheep. I love you sheep. You're going to be okay sheep. Yeah. Not all of that. Not how you talk to the sheep. Not all those wonderful treats you give the sheep. Because a hireling does that. The fake shepherds do those things. But when trouble comes, the fake shepherds leave you. The devil is your best friend until you're in trouble. The devil wants to give you a job if it gets you out of church. The devil wants to bless you, feed you, pet you, tell you sweet things about you, love on you, all of that. Because the devil looks just like a good thing sometimes. But whenever everything starts to fall apart, Satan steps back and says, I'm out, y'all. I was only using you for me. I was only doing that so you'd fall apart. I was only doing that for my own gain, for my kingdom. I only did all that to try to get you away from the good shepherd. It may seem like it's good, but it's not good. So, so notice here the difference. The difference is the willingness to die for them. That's the number one biggest difference and how you know that you have a real shepherd. A real shepherd. Because when trouble comes, they're out. Because they only do what's best for them. Did you know that you can have somebody look like they love you because it's best for them? Y'all all know you get a whole lot more with sugar than you do with sour. So don't be deceived by people who treat you good to get something for themselves. Real love. Listen, this is the lesson on love today. Real love. Real love is not when somebody buys you food or cooks you a meal. Real love is not someone who smiles at you, buys you clothes like shirts. Real love, obviously, real love is not someone who who comforts you and says you're beautiful. Real love doesn't even manifest until you are under attack. Yeah. Yeah. Only the real and true owner of the sheep is willing to die for the sheep. Notice how they didn't follow Jesus for his miracles, signs, and wonders. Notice how because he gave mercy and kindness, and he taught really cool messages and preached better than anybody, and even gave them free food. Classic staple in church. If you want to get a crowd, free food. Free food always works. Notice, after all that Jesus did, they still killed him. Bah! Attack him! This is kind of like kids' ministry today, heaven. Pay attention? This is awesome right here. The sheep killed the Savior. Kill, 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 bite. I don't know how sheep do that, but they do. They're pretty amazing with a weapon in their hand. It's amazing what sheep can do. They get deadly. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? After all that Jesus did in his earthly ministry, they still wanted to kill him. Hosanna one minute, crucify him the next. After all the feeding and the caring and the petting and all the things that we did to love the people, you think they would never want to kill Jesus, but it wasn't enough, was it? It wasn't enough because it's not enough. Because people don't believe you that you love them because you say it and people don't believe you that you love them because you feed them and people don't believe you that you love them because you teach them because you show them mercy no they only believe when you are willing to lay down your life for them. yeah Yeah, they they ran away in a panic the night they came to get Jesus his most trusted disciples ditched him because they thought man this is getting out of hand I don't know what to do I'm out of here Judas betrayed him Peter denied him Yeah, after all that petting and all that love and after all that feeding, it just didn't work out, did it? Easter proves to us that real love is not defined in what you give people, but rather what you're willing to take for people. You've got to catch this right now. This message is not about what Jesus is willing to give to us. This message is about what Jesus is willing to take because of us. That has to settle in right now because some of you don't think he loves you because you haven't got a raise, you haven't got a healing, because he, nobody whispers in your ear, nobody snuggles with you. And you think that your Savior does not care about you, but I want to remind you right now, if you never got another miracle, if you never got another meal, if you never got another snuggle from Jesus, the fact that he was willing to be your door says it all you can't do better than that he owes you nothing else he was willing to die for you he owes you nothing for the rest of your existence you owe him your life and yes he does love you because he went to the cross for you let's give god a praise right now for it i asked god i said god Why would a shepherd die for his sheep? It doesn't make sense. Can't you just get more sheep? It's kind of silly to die for the sheep if you think about it logically and from a business standpoint. Because if you're dead, you can't be a shepherd. Well, he can. Because he rose again on the third day. It's different in this parable because he knew that he could die because he would get up out of the grave. He knew that he could do this. And so it makes so much more sense that Jesus, the good shepherd, would be willing to die for the sheep. But here's what I felt the Lord respond to me as I was studying and I was asking God for revelation. Here's what I got back. So just indulge me. First of all, he probably wouldn't have. A shepherd probably would have never died for his sheep. But guess who would? The good shepherd. Because there's a difference in the Shepherd. And the good shepherd. What makes a shepherd good is the fact that he's willing to lay down his life for his sheep. Our God is not just a shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is different than all the others. He's unlike any other. He's all by himself. The good shepherd would do it. He's not the normal shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Secondly, is the shepherd still a shepherd without the sheep? Just take a moment and think deep with me. Is the shepherd truly a shepherd if he has no sheep? The question is, does the shepherd make the sheep or does the sheep make the shepherd? I know right now you're like, where is he going with this? But I just need you to try to flow with me in the spirit right now. I'm about to unveil to you the value of the sheep and our identity and how it ties into the shepherd. Are you ready? All right, here we go. That's it. Amen. This is what they sound like sometimes. I feel like we're there, you know. It's like sometimes our kids are like, yeah. Today's a great day for your children. Our God is not a hypocrite, ladies and gentlemen. He's a creator. This is the revelation I want to give you. Our God is not a a hypocrite. He doesn't, he doesn't call himself a shepherd and refuse to have sheep. He's not a hypocrite. He is the creator because he creates. He's the healer because he heals. He's the deliverer because he delivers. And he's the savior because he saves. I want to go further. Can you, you can't separate the Creator from the Savior because He was both at the same time in the very beginning. Watch this. Revelation 13 and 8 says, All who dwell on the earth will worship Him whose names have not been written in the book of life uh, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We create something and then we decide its value, but not God. God does not create something and then try to decide the value. He doesn't create by faith like we do. He knows the value of the thing before it was ever created. This is why God made us with every intention of dying for us as he made us. Because in the mind of God, when he created or was planning to create Adam and Eve, he foresaw Adam and Eve's failure and sin, and he knew that if I make them, I make myself die. Because I'm a shepherd, and I can't be a shepherd If I have no sheep, if I create the sheep, I make myself a shepherd. If I make the sheep, I make myself the shepherd. If I make people and they fail and they get in the ditch and I'm the good shepherd, it's up to me to get them out of the ditch. It's up to me to save them. And that's why he's creator and savior at the very same moment. When God was building the earth, God saw himself giving his life on the cross. He said, I am willing to be the lamb slain from the foundation of time because I see my people getting in trouble. He is no hypocrite. And for those of us this morning that are having a hard time understanding why our God would give his life for us, you have to understand how we were made. You see, God breathed his own life into us. We are not our own. We are not our own. We are not independent of him. But we are God-breathed. We are God-breathed. Yes, you and I are not just separate created beings. We're extensions of God. What makes us so special is that we were created by the nature of God. Look at your neighbor and tell him God wants his breath back. Don't get, don't get grossed out by that, by the non tic tac people in the room right now. But God wants his breath back because whenever he, whenever he exhaled and when he breathed life into us, he's about to inhale. He wants to take us home. He wants to get us back. He wants that breath that he gave to us back for himself. We are the extensions of God's spirit. You and I are eternal beings. We are not independent of God. And that's the reason why all over the world, people in caves over the generations have drawn on the walls and said there must be a God out there and nobody even took him to college. Because it's inside the mind of a man to know that there must be a higher power that made me. And you look at the history and civilizations, everybody knows there's got to be a higher power. Everybody knows there's got to be a higher power. And we also know today that our God made us. He made us, not we ourselves. And he wants that breath back. He never intended to make us and us be separated. He intended to be the good shepherd, to save us. So here we go. There are two key moments on the cross I want to highlight today. When Jesus was being tortured on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Everybody say forgiveness. When Jesus died on that cross, the Bible says that the veil and the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. As his body was breaking and dying, the Bible says that that thick curtain in the veil that separated all of us unholy folks from God's presence was ripped in two from top to bottom. Not from bottom to top because no man did it. It was a God act. So these two things at the cross are so important. Number one, our forgiveness. Number two, our access to the holiest of holies. The cross is a symbol of forgiveness and death. But more than that, it was the key that opened up the door. Is anybody thankful that Jesus paid it all? And now we can go through the door is anybody glad that at the cross he said it is finished and and for thousands of years we couldn't get in we couldn't get in but now we can go in now the door is open now the door is unlocked because the cross gave us the key to get back to jesus That's right, we ought to shout right now. We ought to give God a praise right now because we don't belong on the other side of the curtain. We don't belong in the presence of God. We don't belong there. Thank you, Jesus. Look at me, look at me. We can all go now. Back in those times, only the most holy, clean guy could go in. Only one could go in. Only the best of us could go in. Oh, no. But now we can all go in. I said everybody in the room can go in. The people you don't like can go in. All those people in your life that you hate, they can go in. Everybody can go in. The door has been opened. All right. Even the lady with five X's from Texas can go in. The drug addicts, the abused, and the used can go in. Quitters, hitters, and bad babysitters can go in. Men, women, trans, pans, and bi can go in. Smokers, jokers, stokers can go in. Devil worshipers, biker gangs, and those who can't sing, they can all go in now because the cross is accessible to every single person. Listen to me, you can't create a gender that can't go in. You can't make up something that can't go in. You can't make something so evil that can't go in. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for access. And you know what? That's why y'all came to church today. Why would you want to celebrate something like that? That's why there's parties. That's why everybody's getting together, having picnics, barbecuing, smoking pork belly. Brother Wes, uh, that's why y'all having such a good time. This is why we dress up like somebody got married. Wait until the hottest part of the day. Throw some plastic candy stuffed eggs and muddy grass. And send our kids to cage fight for melted sugar. After repenting for 15 minutes in the altar. We need to do our egg hunt first. Hey, who wouldn't want to go to church on Easter? The door is open. Who, who wouldn't want to celebrate this? The door is open. I, I, I get why you want to come on Easter. I get why our churches are full on Easter. It's the best day that anybody can come to church. You don't got to sit there and wonder, will I be accepted on Easter? You know, you know how we roll on Easter. Everybody comes to church on Easter. Everybody knows that they have access, and everybody knows the door is open. Everybody knows that Christ died for us, and everybody knows we've been forgiven. And so I don't blame you one bit for coming to church today. I think you're very wise. But listen to me. A forgiven person celebrates because they, they now have a chance to get to God, whereas before it was completely hopeless. No matter who you are today, whichever side of the door you're on, you you have the right and expectation to give God praise. Because even if you're not on the right side of the door, He still died for you. You might not want to go in the door today, but guess what? You could if you wanted to you might not want to live this life but you ought to just be thankful right now that if you ever wake up one day and change your mind the door is open if you ever want to do it you can do it and that's why everything that hath breath let them praise the lord because everybody has access to be saved if you want to be saved so adam and eve get kicked out of paradise and we've been trying to get back in ever since they messed up and god has been offended by us and god has been hurt by us and we have done some really nasty things don't lie up in this church just because you've got a nice outfit on don't cover anything up that you've done only the blood can do that but the truth is the truth is we've been hurting him since our birth we were born in sin shaping iniquity and he he's been very upset for a very long time at how we've treated him after he gave us paradise. For about 4,000 years of offense, our God had to endure trying to work with people who didn't want to work with him. Covenant after covenant that was broken, our God was merciful and just. Yes, even in the Old Testament, he gave them grace after grace, but they were so, so rebellious. And I'm so thankful that our God has made a way for us sinful, broken, dirty-minded people. You see, what happens in church at Easter now is no one thinks they're dirty anymore. Oh no, then his then his life was in vain. If if you don't if you believe in the cross, you believe that you're dirty, because if you believe that He died to try to clean you up, then that's saying you're dirty. So let's make sure we're honest today. He took our place because if he had not given his own life, it would have been us that died. Because here's what happens you don't forgive somebody. You kill them. You and I both know that when you don't forgive someone that's done you wrong, it makes you want to kill them. It builds up an anger. You lash out at them. It was either us or God. Someone's going to die, y'all. It's either going to be one or the other. It's going to be one or the other. Because if you don't forgive your brother that's been doing 4,000 years of wrong to you, and you've got the power of God, you'll call down every angel and you'll kill man just like the flood did. This cross saved us because we did not deserve it from God. We did wrong And every one of us right now need to confess, if you're not right with God, stop hiding. Stop acting like it's okay. Just admit it. You know your thoughts. You probably know enough about God to know. And just own it today that he died for me. He died for me. I didn't deserve it. It's okay. It's the truth. But listen to me. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But he loves us and he's the good shepherd and we are the sheep but I think there are many people who are celebrating Easter on the wrong side of the door today all over our world and I think it's been confusing to some people so let me explain for a few moments forgiveness is not salvation I dare say there's going to be forgiven people in hell at first you're you're sitting there like scratching your head Well, wait a minute is that true I'm forgiven I'm saved What's the point of the cross? Access, not entrance. Access, not entrance. The cross was not where we went. The cross is where he went. He went to death, hell, and the grave for us. He got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He took the journey. We're on the wrong side still. Forgiven with an unlocked door, forgiven with an unlocked door it's open if we want to go through but we don't have to go through, we can die right here on this side with our forgiveness if we don't get this doctrine figured out we will continue to see our friends and family go to hell and we'll see them go to funerals where we preach them into heaven because they were forgiven but they didn't live a righteous life They didn't have the Holy Ghost. They weren't converted. They weren't born again of water and spirit. And what we do is we just say, but at least they were forgiven. But forgiveness is not salvation. It's an erroneous doctrine that is creeping into big mega churches so everybody will be happy and keep coming to pay their money. It's a business deal. That's all it is. And when you preach the truth, there's consequences to it. Because some people don't like it when you preach the truth. They don't want you to preach this gospel. They want to believe that when Jesus died on the cross, humanity was transported through the door. But that's not what happened. Nobody went anywhere. Forgiveness is not salvation. It's simply access. Forgiveness is the prerequisite for relationship. Because listen, the offended has to be willing to let you get close enough to them to hurt them again. When you forgive somebody you give them a second chance to hit you again. And that's why we don't forgive people. Because if you don't forgive somebody, they can't do it again, can they? God's going to heal some really messed up souls in this place today who you don't have forgiveness in your heart or you're watching online and you don't have forgiveness in your heart because you don't understand the power of forgiveness truly. God's going to really fix some stuff. I feel in the Holy Ghost. I've felt it for a long time. I feel like God's going to speak to us. When you're offended... When you're offended, the offended has to be willing to let somebody come back in that's already hurt you and do it all over again. And this is the reason why you won't let anybody get close to you again, because you don't like getting hurt, because you don't like being like Jesus. Guys, we're not Christian if we can't get hurt. I don't care what you say, shout, dance, do what you want to do. We are not true Christians if we can't take a hit. We're not. The climax of Christianity was in what you laid down for your brother. Not what you give to them. Yeah. Oh, here's, here's a gift. Here's money. Here's a friendship. That's not love. Because you can do all those things for you. Yeah. But this right here, ladies and gentlemen, this is what forgiveness looks like. Good. And this is what we've got to emulate with each other. Or we're going to be miserable, hating, bitter people. This is the key right here. Amen. The offended have to love you enough to say, hey, let's start over. You don't love somebody that you won't look at them and say, let's start over. You don't love them. Bottom line, you don't love them. You say, I love them, but there's no I love them, but. As funny as that sounds. There's no I love them, but. No, I love you, but I just, I just will never lay anything down for you again. Well, then you don't love them. Because true love and forgiveness is one to get hit again. To restore the relationship. Help us, Jesus. At the cross, listen, check me on the Bible. Nobody was saying, I'm sorry, will you forgive us? And he was like, sure. who, Who was at the crowd? Who was at the crowd saying, Jesus, we messed up as a human race. Would you forgive us? And he was like, well, since you asked, nobody, ladies and gentlemen, nobody asked God to forgive him. But he did it anyway. Because forgiveness is not when someone asks you. Forgiveness is not on them to come to you. Forgiveness is on me to die for them. Hey, y'all want to be real Christians and have a real church now? You want to do it the right way or 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 just keep playing church? Just act like we love each other. The real way to have church, the real way to have love is to let them hurt you and still love them again. And let them get close again. And just say, come on back and hit me again. There's going to be a deep thing in this place. Break. Because some of you right now, you're shut up right now because you know you have no forgiveness you have not forgiven. You know how little you love humanity, how little you love people who've done you wrong, and it's starting to be a wake-up call right now, and that's good because we think we're all saved, but we don't have love, and we don't forgive, and the Bible tells us, Jesus said, if I don't forgive you, our Father will not forgive me. You know what? Before you talk in tongues today, I'd just like for someone to forgive somebody. That'd be a miracle too. I don't want to rush past the cross and get the Holy Ghost. I'd really like for someone just to start at the cross and say, I forgive. I've been forgiven. He forgave me. I don't deserve it. I'm a jerk and God forgave me. You know what? I think I'm going to start forgiving all the jerks. I've been a jerk. Pastor Green's been a jerk. You know what? I can forgive you because I've been forgiven for all the stupid stuff I've done. God, bring us a revival of forgiveness this Easter so we can celebrate the right way. All this bitterness and animosity and wearing our nice clothes, uh, acting like we're celebrating the cross. Uh, You can't celebrate the cross uh, if you have a grudge. It's impossible. Help me, God, finish this message in Jesus' name. Help us, God, break this today in the name of Jesus. Please hear me. I'm going to take a little time today, but please hear me. There is no better way to say I'm offended than by saying I forgive you. Yeah, that's good. Jesus did not go to the cross and say I'm offended by you. He went to the cross and said I forgive you. Yeah. Because if someone says I forgive you, you know that you've offended them. But you know what we do? We walk up on people and say, you offended me. All you're doing right there is just getting somebody mad. But if you want to fix problems, go to people and say, I forgive you. Yeah. You know what some people do, though, when you do that? They say, what do you mean you forgive me? I do something wrong. What is, what is, our, what is our trigger with I forgive you? What is up with that? Why does that make people go crazy? You ever tried that with somebody? You ever said that? I just want you to know I was offended, but I forgive you. Why do people lose their mind? Why can't people just be like, thank you? You know what I'm talking about. What makes people get so upset because you walk up to them and say, I was offended and I forgive you? I'm going to tell you what it is pride. It's pride. It's pride. Hear me, it's pride. When someone approaches you and says, I was hurt by you, they are not saying necessarily that you did it on purpose. So put your pride down, take the forgiveness, and be thankful they're not trying to kill you or hold a grudge against you. Because the greatest way for us to say we've been offended is to walk up to the person that did the offending and say, I forgive you anyway yeah. and we've got to stop losing our minds when people try to forgive us so forgiveness is simply access and not salvation then how do we get saved that's how we're going to close today everybody say entrance forgiveness is access the cross the key it's open but there's a big difference in forgiveness and repentance. Yeah. Repentance is our part. Forgiveness is his part. Yeah. And here's how you accept forgiveness. Yeah. You, you, you did not accept forgiveness until you ret- repent. You've got to go in. You've got to change. If you're not willing to change, forgiveness has lost its power. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, you're not. Don't ever let anybody tell you they're sorry if they don't repent. If you don't change, you don't love me. When, when you're offended, when you're offended, the person that is offended... Has to forgive to be holy. But when you're the offender, the person that offends has to be repentant. And when there's altercation and conflict between two people and one is the offender and one's the offended, both have a job to do. Depending on who you are, you either have to forgive them or you've got to repent. And in the case of the cross, we must. Walk through the door, or we will not be saved. You can be seated a few more moments. Forgiveness works in tandem with repentance, forgiveness even empowers repentance. It doesn't matter how much you want to change if the one that you've offended doesn't forgive you. You ever tried to change, and the person that you hurt doesn't care? I know I have as a pastor. I know I haven't always done things great. In my five years I've been here, I've been unwise at times. And I go to people and say, I'm sorry, I'm not that way anymore, and I'm changed. And yet they say, I'm out. Oh, is that how we act as Christians? Is that what we do now? After all the times I forgave you for offending me over five years, peace. There's no love and there's no forgiveness in that person. Because if you truly love somebody, you give them a chance to repent. Repent. And if they repent, no problem. No problem. But I know you've been there too. But watch, when you forgive somebody, it literally builds faith in them that they can change. Because when you forgive somebody, you say this, I'll let you back in even though you've hurt me. Guess what you're saying? I believe you won't hurt me again. You know what we do to people? We say, I ain't letting you get close to me anymore, Brandon. Last time you popped my tires when you took my truck mudding, and I ain't never letting you take my truck mudding again. But when Brandon says, when Brandon and I have this conversation, and it's like, Brandon, you know what? I forgive you, bro. You know what Brandon feels? I'm going to take care of that truck next time I drive it. Because forgiveness is faith that somebody can change. And when Jesus died on the cross for you, guess what he told you without telling you? I believe you'll come to the door. I believe you're going to come in the door. I believe you won't stay a sinner. I believe you won't stay lost. I believe you won't stay that way. I believe you're going to receive the forgiveness and be changed. Let me hurry. Let me hurry. Let me hurry. Here we go. Let me go further. Forgiveness is literally faith for repentance. Forgiveness suggests that you, you can stop offending. And when we say, I forgive you, you need to hear it. uh, I believe in you. When you say, I forgive you, you need to receive it from somebody. Why are you mad at somebody? Everybody else will hold a grudge and try to plot your demise. But the person that comes to you and says, I want to work it out, uh, I forgive you. Why aren't you happy about that? You know what? If we'd be easier to let people forgive, we'd have a lot more friends. Because some people I don't want to go to and even try to say, I forgive you. I'm scared they're going to hit me. But we've got to get better at that as a church. When we say I forgive you, you've got to hear it. But Satan whispers inside our heart, you messed up, they don't love you, and that's the lie of the devil. It's just our pride and our fear of failure talking, and when we say it, we've got to be open. When we forgive somebody, it doesn't even have to mean that you messed up. It means that it hurt. And I can't tell you how many times I said I'm sorry for things I did not intend to do because I wanted to make sure the other person knew I wasn't trying to hurt you. It was an accident. How many times have you auto-apologized for stuff because you were afraid that the person will hold it against you the rest of your life? I was on a date with my wife the night she said she loved me, and I was getting a chair at a coffee shop. And I didn't know she was moving behind me into position. I grabbed the chair, and I went like that. I hit her right in the middle of the nose with a wooden chair, split, begins to turn red and black. And that was the night that she told me that she loved me later on because she said it like this, if I can love you after that, (laughs) then I must really love you if I still care about you after that. I didn't mean to do it. But you know what? I'm apologetic by default because I don't want her to hold a grudge against me because you got to be really careful to make sure that that other person doesn't hold a grudge. You have got to even apologize when you didn't even do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I ain't going to go do it. I ain't nothing wrong. I ain't saying I'm sorry. If they're hurting, you humble yourself and you make it right. God will fix the rest. But you need to have a sorrow because of their pain and their suffering. Here we go. This This is it. We're at the end here. If forgiveness unlocks the door but only repentance goes inside the door, why are we celebrating Easter on the outside of the door, on the front porch of the cross? With an open door. Wow, good service. Woo! been forgiven i've been forgiven wow yeah Woo, look there's the door wow look it's like a briefcase of a million dollars right there it's mine Woo. let's go get some dinner we'll come back and celebrate some more oh look there's a million dollars in the briefcase it's mine Woo. people live their entire life as believers not going to the door Because the devil wants to twist the doctrine and say, because you've been forgiven, you're saved. There's no reason to change. And there's a false doctrine going around in our day that says that you can be saved and never even enter into salvation because of the cross and what it did. You can live in your sin and Jesus is cool with it. What's the point of having a door that you're not supposed to go through? What's the point of having a door if you're not supposed to walk through? It doesn't make any sense for him to die on that cross and me stay in my sin. If he died on that cross, I'm not wasting that moment. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to Easter and I'm going to walk through the door. I don't know about you today, but I know I came here to not just dance for my forgiveness, but I came to repent and get in the door so that I can be saved, so I can be right, so I can make sure I get to go to heaven, or else why is the cross even in the picture? Help us, God. Help us, Jesus. Everybody's like, we need a relationship with God. And I'm like, you don't even know what that means. It's the buzzword for every mega church all over the world. We just, we just welcome you here today. We're going to have a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> Everything we do is about relationship. Even though I've cheated on my wife five times, I know relationships. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You can't keep offending your wife and have a good relationship. You can't live in sin and walk with God. Are you kidding me? You have no idea what relationship means. It means you stop cheating on your spouse. Walk through the door. Walk through the door. You will not be saved if you don't walk through the door. Relationship takes two. It takes someone who can forgive and someone who can change. And if you refuse to change, you're wasting forgiveness. He's literally on the cross dying for someone in this room right now. He died for you right here, right now. And yet we'll come and we'll be like, what time is lunch? Let's go. I'm forgiven. Forgiven and lost. What a waste of the cross. Heaven is not for for loved people or even forgiven people. There'll be people that are loved in hell because Christ died for the whole world. But they have not all responded. Let me put it to you like this. There are people I have forgiven, ladies and gentlemen, and so have you. I have forgiven them. They've hurt me. But every person that has hurt me has not committed to stop hurting me. And while I forgive them and I love them, we don't hang out and go on vacations together. Because while I love you and I forgive you, me and you aren't very tight We don't have a good relationship. And guess what he died on the cross for? To get Adam and Eve back in the garden so we could walk naked with him every day, that we could enjoy his presence, that we could call to him as he walks in the cool of the day. God wants to get us back in covenant relationship, but we sit on the outside of the door saying, aren't you glad you're forgiven? My love for people forgives them, but their love for me causes them to stop hitting me. When I wrong somebody, I have to show them I'm different now, and I'm not going to keep doing that to you because people don't care what you say. Say you're sorry all you want to, but if you don't change, people don't believe you. Words are cheap in this culture, and people don't want to hear you say, I'm sorry. They want to see you stop hurting them. So walk through the door. Musicians can come. Let's get ready to pray. Start preparing your minds. We're almost there. The saddest part about Easter to me as a pastor is a world of believers that think they're saved on the front porch of the church with a risen Savior and an unlocked door, and yet they refuse to go in, and yet Christ paid for all of it. It's free. It's yours right now, and yet people will leave this service today and never go through the door, and it's sad to me because it's totally free available. You've got it right there in front of you. You've got a bag of money you don't want. You tell your friends you have access to it, but you won't go get it. People are like, oh, you have access to money? I sure do. Why are you driving that car? Well, I haven't gone through the door. There's nothing more confusing to a world than a bunch of forgiven people who won't go get the prize. How many more Christians do you and I have to meet that say, I'm a Christian, I'm forgiven? And I'm like, but well, why aren't you different? Because why be different if you're already saved? I don't know about you, but I refuse to celebrate Easter on the wrong side of the door. Let's all stand. I refuse to celebrate Easter on the wrong on the wrong side of the door. <laughs> Thank you Lord. You died for me. You're the door, you're the good shepherd. You gave your life for me. You love me. Thank you Lord. That's beautiful. Thank you Lord. Hey y'all, it's Easter. Look at my outfit. I'm forgiven. What makes it so sad is that as a preacher I get up here and I tell you the good news and yet to some people they're sad right now like, I have to go through the door? I have to change. How do we look at the sacrifice of the cross and get mad? We've missed it all, he bled, he died, he was stripped naked, a crown of thorns, beaten with a cat of nine tails. Uh, He was made fun of and spit on and he walked and carried that cross and he hung there and died and they nailed him to that cross uh, and they pierced him and blood and water ran out and he gave it to us. And yet we want to sit here and say, good thing you died. I'm forgiven. Nothing can hurt Jesus more than giving all that pain for us and seeing people sit there in service on Easter and say, good I'm good I don't want to go in because you know that in order order to go in you've got to repent and you know that you can't sit at his table and look him in the face and live the way you're living right now but I got good news for you if you can just get in the door everything you need is going to be there You see, you say, I got to get right to get in the door. No, you don't. You just got to get forgiven. Because forgiveness is justification. What that means is when God looks at you, a sinner, and says, you're nasty. No, he doesn't seem nasty. You know what he sees when he sees you because of the cross? He sees his own sacrifice. He looks at you and says, yeah, even in your sin and your mess, even you can come in through the door. And guess what happens when you choose to walk in the door of repentance? Uh, Repentance is not holiness. Repentance is a choice to move towards God. And so you turn away from your life and your sin. You turn away from everything that's caused you pain. And you say, you know what? Uh, I'm ready to go to the door. And when you go through the door, there's Jesus. Your alcoholic addictions... uh, your abuse problems, uh, your anger issues, uh, everybody can come in the door and sit uh, at the feet uh, of Jesus. uh, And there you will fix uh, everything you could never fix. This, this is the side of the cross I'm worshiping on today. I refuse to hear this message at Easter and stay on the other side in my sin and all my selfishness. But today I'm willing to give my life. Is anybody else willing to give your life today? Because you know what? He loves us. He's the only one that would, when's the last time somebody you found out really would have that much pain because of you? But what a treasure we have in Jesus. That our God, our King of Kings, our miracle worker, our healer would give his life for us and you think I'm going to sit here just forgiven? No, I'm going to not just be forgiven. I'm going to be sanctified. I'm going to be washed and I'm going to be cleansed and I'm going to have power and I'm going to have anointing. I'm going to celebrate Easter on this side of the door, on the inside of my walk with God. Right now, every one of you hear me. It is finished. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do you don't have to ask for it you don't have to ask for it it's done the question is will you go in the door will you repent like John said the Baptist and repent like Peter said at Pentecost because forgiveness is our God's job repentance is our job Right now, you don't have to ask Him for forgiveness for the dirty things you've done. You don't have to ask Him. You just have to receive it. By getting up from where you are and saying, Enough of this, living forgiven and lost. I'm going through the door. I'm going to be at every church service. I'm going to break my Bible open and pray. I'm living this life. I'm living on the other side of the door. I will not waste the cross. I will not waste his death. I'm going to go through the door. Anybody want to come go through the door with me right now? Come on, it's Easter. I can't think of a better way of celebrating than repenting and saying enough of my old ways, enough of my old ways, enough of the way I used to live and talk, I'm going to go through the door, I've been forgiven, I've been forgiven, he died, he paid the price, he's paid the price for me, I'm going through the door this Easter. Won't you ask somebody, some guest, some friend and say, do you want to go through today? Do you want to go through and celebrate with me the right way? I'm going to repent and then I'm going to celebrate the door today.